ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Netball is huge. It is it is the sport that keeps many football netball clubs going, actually. You know, that's when AFL, you know, I think it was around about 20 years ago, decided to embrace netball all of a sudden again because they realised that the, if they didn't provide a sporting outlet for women, they wouldn't have family clubs. Footy netball is huge in Victoria, especially in country Victoria. And that's Lisa Alexander, and we'll be speaking to her a little later in the program. But Warwick Long, netball is huge. There's no other way to put it. It is the most played sport for women in Victoria. And not only do we love to spend our weekends and weeknights playing it, we're good at it, was. In fact, you know what? We just won a World Cup. It's just that nobody's talking about it. I love the line you said to me as we were preparing for this show, Rochelle, that if we win a World Cup in the middle of the night on the other side of the world, does it make a sound? You know, it's like the tree falling in the forest. And that's kind of what's happened here with the Netball World Cup. It's a huge moment for this sport in Australia. It's a huge moment for this team, which is a mighty team that has won everything before it on a four-year cycle and needed to win this tournament. It had all the themes that you would want from a major sporting event going into it. Uh, You know, a team searching for that last piece of glory gets beaten by a rival during the tournament and has to come back with all of this bulletin board material to finally, you know, be lifted up and win. But we hardly spoke about it. We've hardly focused on it. And in a way, it makes you worry for the sport uh, in general and, and makes me think, do... Do we need to give netball a little bit more love? And it's not that we want to put it up against soccer or football because we are deep in the excitement of the Matildas at the moment. But what it highlights is just how much passion, how much energy and the enthusiasm for women's sport has never been higher, it feels, mm. at the moment. Yet netball has always kind of just... Even though it's the most played sport, it feels like it's just always struggled. We have footy and netball clubs, right? They're called Mm -hmm. footy and netball clubs. But how much of it is just about the footy and that netball is just the second-tier tack-on? But as we heard from Lisa Alexander and as we'll go into a little later, without netball, there probably is no footy club. We need the netball in that club. Oh, certainly so. And if you've been around country football netball clubs, which I've spent a little bit of my life around, (laughs) often there's footy players getting a fair bit of money to be playing at that certain club. But if you go into the rooms, uh, the the club rooms, that is, after a game where everyone's meant to come back and they're reading out the votes and handing out best player and things like that, often more than half of the people there are the netballers who aren't getting paid, who are in love with the club that they're at and the driving force a lot of behind those mm. clubs. Now, that's not the story at every local club. You don't need to, to, to ring and have a, a crack at that. But just shows you what a big cog netball is, what a big cog it has been in women's sport yeah. in Australia, in particular in this state for a really long period of time and maybe hasn't had the recognition it deserves. Do you know it was once called women's basketball and it was called women's basketball up until... <laughs> 
1970. So I was born in 1974. I started playing netball from the age of about five or six. I had no idea that it was like only five or six years earlier. I would have been saying... you sport, netball. (laughs) I'm playing women's basketball. Today we're looking at the love of netball. Do you play it? Are you a netball family? Is it something that you have grown up playing? Does your local club need more support? What is it about netball that means it constantly has to fight for recognition? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. The Diamonds have done it. They are the world champions. This was the only one missing and what a fantastic performance it has been as they conclude... Nipple World Cup campaign on a high. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Warwick Long, your co-host today, joining you from ABC Shepparton. And in the studio, while we spoke about the tale of two World Cups, we have the tale of two Sarahs. Sarah Stiles, <laughs> the Director of the Office for Women in Sport and Recreation in Victoria, and Sarah Lowe, who is very well known to Conversation Hour listeners, the previous CEO of South Metro Junior Footy League, and also the previous Executive Manager of the Future Healthy Group for Vic Health. A warm welcome to both of you, Sarah, although you shall now be known as Lowy, Sarah Lowe today. That's okay? This is correct. This is correct. Right. This is I have claimed the Sarah title, have I? Well, I reckon you should be called Stylesy. Uh, I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass. We'll stick with Sarah. Sarah, you're wearing your Matilda scarf today, as many people are at the moment. The love and the passion for the Matildas is so great, right? It's so exciting. How do we generate that for netball, do you think? Yeah. I think there's something about this whole conversation and you said it really well at the outset of it's not about pitching women's sport against each other. Reality is even if you were to bundle up all of our incredible women's teams, our leagues, you know, what Australia is doing is world leading here. But even if you were to bundle them all up, we're still getting the minority of coverage. We're still getting the minority of sponsorship dollars. We're still getting all these things. So this idea that, oh, hang on, as you said, it's not about, oh, the Matildas are getting too much and how we take them down a peg and that. Not that. It's actually how do we still take this whole sector and we grow. And I think there's also something in this whole conversation of how do we peel away the layers of, you know, Perception is reality, and why is it that netball is perceived to be struggling when there is so many things about it that are actually incredible, and then how do we identify where do they feel that they're being, I don't want to say left behind because that's not there, not getting the recognition that they deserve, and then how do we go after those things? How do we go after the fact that the media coverage, yeah, yeah, how do we give them more love? How do we get more love from sponsors? You know, that's really where we need to be focusing. Uh, Lowy, Sarah, Sarah Lowe. I'm, I'm going to struggle with the nicknames uh, today. I think the ABC is too in my blood. Um, but uh, is it a case of bad timing, particularly for netball here, having its World Cup at overseas in a difficult time zone at a time of a huge cultural moment in Australia for women's sport being around uh, women's football around around soccer? Oh, look, I... <coughs> I- just follow what Sarah was saying. I think uh, not pitting other sports against each other. I mean, it, it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, the one thing is 61 to 45. I mean, we beat the, the, those English again. I reckon that's the great news. And uh, look, I obviously female sport is, is my thing and uh, I, I can't support it anymore. And I, I just think that the more female sport, uh, the better at the moment. What do you reckon, Loie? Do mm. you think that even if the FIFA Women's World Cup wasn't going on right now, mm. Yeah, time zones were tricky. This was being played in South Africa. The Mm. final started at 2am Monday morning, um, Australian Eastern time. 
really, if you take away the FIFA Women's World Cup, do you actually think the coverage of the Netball World Cup would have been any different? Or do you think pretty much what we saw was what we probably would have seen anyway for where we're at? Yeah, I would completely agree with you. It's just that time zone was unfortunate. But uh, I think it was just great that we all got to wake up to such wonderful news. I think um, Australian women's sport is in a wonderful position to have so much being talked about is is absolutely fantastic. So, And, you know, it, um, there are so many people who are playing Netball. I mean, it's still the third highest participation female or team sport in the country. And if you look at those numbers, they're, they're actually, you know, beat the AFL. AFL's number four, so it's only, you know, soccer and basketball ahead. And, and I think when you look at it, drill down those stats a little bit further, uh, there's a lot of numbers that aren't being counted. There are so many netball comps that haven't been counted in that number. And, and it's not that far off basketball. So I reckon it could be the second sport. When we talk about the support that it needs both at a professional level then we're talking about the grassroots right the Mm. everyday level here's just one of the messages our local football netball club started seven years ago the netballers are doing so well but the local barwon football netball won't let us play in division one or division two because the footy team isn't ready yet it's so archaic we have so many young girls being denied the opportunity to play at the higher levels because of the footy team we've appealed this many times we keep getting rejected we'd love some higher level advocacy on this the idea of footy netball clubs right we say them together fnc's that they're together even though we do have different just standalone netball clubs and we know you can play netball pretty much any night of the week if you want to but when we look at them together are they treated equally do you think sarah well, I mean, this is my childhood. So home for me was down in the Hamden League. Um, my sporting career probably peaked in a premiership for the Cobden Bombers under-15s. Uh, I mean, it that's a really interesting example, hearing that one in Barwon, because I suppose in Hamden League there was one tier. It wasn't like we were being anchored. So that's a really interesting um, example to hear about. But, yeah, there still is that culture isn't there of it is the footy team and the netball is the just tag there to support on. it and so how can we recognize that actually these are such fundamental drivers of not only the um you know the livelihood of the club but also the heart of so many of these small towns i mean they are the community hub they are what brings people together and much like we're doing at a elite level making sure we're celebrating men and women um as uh, exactly that, the pinnacle of what they can achieve in the pathway. I'd love to see it in more community towns. Yes, we're celebrating the footy players, but equally we're so excited about what the netballers are up to too. Paddy, you want to talk about the connection between footy and netball clubs as well. Welcome to the program. G'day everyone. Um, yeah, like I travel around the state quite a lot with the work that I do uh, and one thing I've noticed is probably about, probably about 60% of relationships in country towns Start or continue around the footy and netball club. Uh, you've obviously got the community aspect of uh, of the sporting of sporting venue. It's where all the guys get together with all the girls. It's uh, it's pretty much where everybody meets and where the strength of the community lies. Yeah, the strength of the community. I mean, we're all pretty much regional people sitting here at the moment, even though I'm in Melbourne now, I'm a regional girl through and through. And Patty's right. It, that's It's your social life. It, it's everything, really, your, your footy and netball clubs. Is that how you grew up, Sarah? 
Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, that's the thing. It is the heart of the town. It is. You think about the number of people that actually come along to watch these games as well. This is what's get everybody else, that social connection, the the ability to actually then be directing that back to the club through, you know, support at the gate, support through the canteen, all these things. Um, you know, there's probably a question here, and I'm not necessarily sure it's what we want to touch on today. What is the role of that social aspect as it connects to alcohol use in our communities? Yeah. That's obviously an interesting one to consider. But, yeah, you know, it's also a beautiful way that you see generations of families coming together, you know, whether it's through past generations of players, maybe they're in the coaching, maybe they're in the support staff, maybe mum and dad are still playing, the kids are playing, and I think that's a really beautiful thing. And you're a netballer? I was a what netballer. What was your position? Oh, goalkeeper all the way. Yeah, hello. Every, yeah. every, it's best spot, best spot. <laughs> I love goalkeeper. My, my knees can't handle it anymore. I'm a, I'm a regretful retiree. Um, but no, it's just that sense of, like, I still remember the first day I turned up to that footy netball club, turned up by myself. I was about 13, 14 years old and wanted to play. Absolutely packing myself and then I didn't come back for a year but I mean that's where you you did have an opportunity to make new friends to draw new connections and as the caller just sort of said potentially a few uh, marriages and future generations of netball is coming out of it as well <laughs> 1300 we've just won a world cup in netball it's a massive sport particularly in this state but do we need to give netball some more love and if so how do we do that this is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt here with you in Melbourne. Warwick Long joining you from ABC Shepparton. Sarah Stiles, the Director of Office for Women in Sport and Recreation in Victoria, is your guest this morning, as is Sarah Lowe, previously from the, the CEO of the South Metro Junior Footy League and also previously the Executive Manager of the Future Healthy Group at Vic Health. Lisa Alexander is also the former coach of the Australian women's netball team, the Diamonds, currently working in the sector of high performance. Lisa, we started with a, a grab from you just on this very program only a few weeks ago talking about netball being the heart and soul of country towns and I know later on in that program you referenced Eaglehawk in, in Bendigo and just how much love and support there is for netball in Bendigo and in Central Vic. How healthy is it in terms of the recognition that it gets, do you think, at the moment? Well, that's a, that's the conundrum at the moment. It was very much highlighted by, I guess, Nepal's World Cup win in the in the reality of being on at the same time as the women's World Cup football. Um, rightly so, and this is what I've also said to other you know journalists as well that you know the women's football is getting a lot of coverage uh, because it's here. It's in it's in our time zone. The games are, you know, very spread out. There's lots of stories that can be written about it and that shows you what can be done when the investment goes into to women's sport. And, you know, we've had crowds of 70,000s and 40,000s con consistently. Uh, people will go and watch women play sport at the very highest levels. And unfortunately, the netball didn't quite get the same coverage even though we did win the World title in uh, Cape Town, South Africa. So herein lies, um, I guess, the line in the sand. Is it because it's primarily a women's sport, netball, um, and it has not got a men's sport to hang on to, I guess, to get started or to, 
to get the impetus to, to, to raise it to that next level of notoriety. Um, it's a good old-fashioned chicken and egg proposition, mm. isn't it? And um, That's confronting, you know, though, actually, Lisa, when you put it like that. I had a full-body reaction to that because that's not what we want to hear. Stay with us, Lisa. Sarah, what do you think? Is, is Lisa right? Is Fundamentally, is she right? The line in the sand is because this is predominantly just a women's sport played by women and it doesn't have a men's league or a men's team to hook itself onto? I think we should be thinking about this conversation around netball as almost the symptom, not the cause. This is the symptom of, yeah, you know, a lot of the other sports have had the platform and arguably the resources of men's sport to then build on, or at least grow on. In that respect, I think about cricket. The Aussie women's cricket team has been also playing since the 1930s, but it's more in recent years where the investment shifted to the off-field growth, not just the high performance, the off-field growth that, you know, really let it take off. But how not just this country, but countries all around the world have treated women's sport, women's sports team, this very quickly becomes a conversation around the visibility gap that we have not enough um, companies jumping on to sponsor yes. netball. Mm. We don't have the traditional gatekeepers of your traditional media. And I'm talking over the course of decades here, giving them the coverage that the male counterparts were getting. This is where something like social media is actually a really positive part of this conversation because social media allows not only the teams but the fans to go around those gatekeepers. Bit of a shout out to Netball Twitter there, who they've been going off this week. They've been having an amazing <laughs> time. So while we not might, might not be seeing it because it's not getting front and back pages, the conversation's happening in ways that the fans are actually able to connect. But yeah, this is this is this is the symptom. This isn't the cause. This isn't Netball's fault. No, God no. This is how effectively for far too long we have had this oh, what do we want to describe it as? This um, this blocker that has just meant we've not backed women in. There's a text here actually going along those lines too, Rochelle, saying, can we stop dancing around the issue? Yeah. Netball is a sport for women, by women. It's female-dominated. It's not a language men can understand. That's why uh, media sponsorship uh, is non-existent. Just look at the Football World Cup ad that everyone was praising, showing the fact that women can be like men. That's the crux of the issue. Until that is recognised, all these discussions are absolutely meaningless. Thank you for sending that text. and I can almost feel the fury in it as as well. Um, Lisa Alexander also with you as well, former coach of the Diamonds, uh, which have had the World Cup win, which is why we're talking about this today as well. Rochelle, Lisa, is one of the disappointing things, I suppose, how sometimes netball in our culture can be uh, used for a culture war, but still doesn't get the, the love it deserves. I know there was an article showing how much media attention Netball had when it had the fight with Gina Reinhardt over sponsorship and how that was greater than the amount of media attention it got for actually yeah. winning, for dominating the World Cup as well. Is that frustrating as someone who's been so close to the top end as you have been? Uh, well, definitely. <laughs> it, that that goes without saying. It's It's obvious that that is an issue for um, netball and it is a continuous argument all all around women doing things in leadership in sport in things that are areas that are just you know traditionally have been male dominated and it's it is uh, a war so to speak of of you know achieving hearts and minds wanting to watch the sport but also we've obviously already got the the numbers in playing the sport 
I think we also need to say that we are a sport for men and boys as well and traditionally have been for a very, very long time. And that actually gives that argument around recognition, et cetera, a bit of a kick up the backside because, you know, I was playing mixed netball in the 80s. Yes, exactly, as I have Mm. been as well. And um, what I'm trying to say here is that men and boys in netball have also had a right to be a bit aggrieved about their recognition within netball as well. Uh, That's starting to change. We've just had announced the Australian men's team is going to be travelling around with the women's team during the Constellation Cup and playing those test matches against New Zealand as well, where it's very, very popular too. And no, I know coming from England, uh, we off, we trained, uh, London Pulse trained against a men's club as well. We had them part of our training environment and it's very popular there too. It's popular in South Africa. And I think this is an area that we can really leverage to assist netball's growth on a global stage, but also its recognition here in Australia. It is suffering from big sister or little sister syndrome. Oh, that's the sport that's played at school. Um, You know, it's taken for granted, really, uh, by a lot of men and women. And 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 multi-generational as well. I've got quite a few texts, Lisa, that say, I was centre wing throughout the 70s, 80s and 90s. Lots of high-grade country-based success. My knees now, though, are also (laughs) a little bit shaky. However, I now make the odd appearance in C-grade with my daughter. I'll be 56. I love that. Lisa, stay with us. Veronica's in Melbourne. Hi, Veronica. Hi, how are you going? Well, what did I say? I'm listening to the conversation and I think my blood's boiling a little bit. These wonderful women, and they are amazing women, went overseas, did this amazing thing, and then they're coming home and they don't have a comp, some of them don't have a comp to play to. I think that's boiling my blood. And I think also, too, there was the opportunity and sadly missed by everybody in in netball in Australia, regardless of the level that you're at, we aligned ourselves with the AFL, women and men together. Mm. What happened to the Collingwood team has, I think, set us back a bit because men are like, well, you know, it's not making any money. Collingwood doesn't think it's very good. Let's get rid of the licence. I'm going to put that here to, oh, let's go Lowy. Completely agree, and and I think uh, you know the investment into into netball is going to be looked at um, equally as well. You know they've had uh, facility strategy. Uh, netball has had one, and and I believe back in 2016, 2017, all the major sports, including netball, football, cricket, uh, and soccer, all submitted these facility strategies to government. And you know there's there's got to be that um, investment to keep growing uh, that you know, growing the sport because the participation is actually there. And we saw in AFL in particular, when they invested in female-friendly facilities, it actually supported the growth of AFLW at the same time. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of football facilities out there, but what was getting upgraded were the change rooms. And and I worked at regional councils. I won't say which ones, but I've worked in regionals very close to where Lisa is at the moment. And, you know, there's some, some substandard facilities out there. You know, the asphalt... Uh, you know they're breaking down and and to for me working in sport in those councils I, I could see that the facilities were great for the boys playing footy but the girls were getting changed in their cars still so again participation of netball is third ranked in the country it could be uh, number one so it's getting played the sport is loved but 
you know, I worry from a grassroots perspective, and you know, Rochelle, I come from grassroots, yeah, so yeah. it is all about grassroots, or we, or we don't have an elite. So we've got to look at that. And Lisa Alexander, talking grassroots, what's the current state of some of our netball courts? I did a drive-by up the back of Moe the other week and had a look at the netball courts where I used to play. They're shut down now, and I've been told that they're all being played indoors. Broke my heart a little bit, actually. I think those are all for indoor and outdoor netball. But, I mean, what is the current state, Lisa, do you know of some of our, just the quality of our courts at a grassroots level around Victoria? Well, just in general, I'll, I'll talk about even just the primary school here in Avoca. I just walked past it um, yesterday and there is a netball court there, but it's got a basketball ring. <laughs> and so, you know, the, the, the sport that's played the most in the town hasn't even got a proper netball court with the proper goalposts there. Um, So I always find that fascinating. I find it fascinating when councils build new stadiums for basketball and don't make them big enough for netball, which was rife in the 1990s because I was in Leangatha at that time and we had to get one of those um, stadiums extended so we could play some indoor state league games there so that people could watch elite netball in the country areas. And that's it's like you're always begging for facility upgrades it should not be like that it should be you know equal half half with afl and netball because the numbers reflect that and the investment that's gone in the past the historical investment has been appalling from councils and also state governments in terms of women's sport particularly it is beginning to be addressed but it's not anywhere near what it deserves to be in relation to what is the participation rates. How do we fix that? Well, I suppose, as Lisa said, I mean, it is being fixed at the moment, isn't it? Um, I was also thinking, Loie, when you were talking, I'm like, I wonder how somebody who can do maths can let me know how many netball courts would actually fit on a single AFL-sized oval. I'm not sure. But, um, you know, I think about things like the the Victorian government's country football netball program. I think it's something like 560 separate programs have been so- uh, projects have been supported through there. The inner-city netball program, which was really started to do a deep dive in the fact that inner-city Melbourne... You know, there were some big gaps in the availability of, of netball courts. And then it is also about being a bit uh, clever, isn't it, about how we use what we actually have. Mm. I was um, smiling when we were talking about the asphalt courts before. I was missing some big chunks of freckles off my shoulders from a few uh, oh, tumbles yeah. in my younger years onto those asphalt <laughs> courts. Uh, that was good fun. But, you know, how do we make the most of what we have? You know, is it that fact, you know, I think about the indoor courts that I played in that were set up for basketball, netball, volleyball and badminton mm. all in one. But for us, that's a really big focus, which is how do we make great use of what we have? Um, you know, we've got something in Victoria called the Fair Access Policy Roadmap that we're working with all local governments across the state to make sure there's gender equitable access and use policies in place, which, you know, to use just normal language, how do we unpick this idea of if there's a facility there and boys want to use it, that means girls are put to the side. We want to stop that, and that's what we're going to be doing over the years ahead. So I think we need to focus on that there is wonderful gains. That doesn't take away what used to be the case, but how do we fix where where we need it to be fixed? Uh, as, a, as a father of a daughter whose soccer team gets shafted for the boys of the same age quite regularly to mm. a different field, I can feel that frustration in other sports let's, rather let's, than just... Let's talk, Warwick. N- I should know which well. council that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone knows where I live, unfortunately. Uh, uh, 
Lisa, just before we let you go, what should we be thinking about? What should netball be thinking about then for its future as well, given we, we have you and you have such experience in this space? What do you think the, the wider sport should have in its, in its mind as it tries to, to fight for the publicity it deserves? Look, it's just got to keep plugging away. It's improved out of sight in the last 20 years, I can tell you. Um, even harking back to 2015 when we won the World Cup in Sydney, that was a real watershed moment, not just for netball, but for women's sport in general. I think that really made corporations sit up and take notice around the absolute love and passion for women's sport and to play it and to watch it. So I think it's been there, but it's always government funded. It's government handouts. We really need corporate Australia to get off its backside as well and start really supporting and promoting women's sport because it is so elite and world class. And not just because we've got huge numbers who are playing netball. And that means huge consumerism around that, buying stuff. So really... You know, for me, it's a a no-brainer that we do support it more. But Nepal also has to make sure it is on the political stage in terms of ensuring that we're getting the dollars for infrastructure that count. Lisa Alexander, so good to have you on the program. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. Lisa Alexander there, Coach the Diamonds. Uh, They've just... Uh, one a tournament former coach there giving us her perspective and I, I just always love listening to that insight on where the right. sport's at and where it's going from and someone who's... And the passion that's still there yeah. as yes, well. Yes, exactly. It doesn't go away, does it? And Lisa made a great point then about we need corporate Australia to be backing all women's sport, including netball. I mean, we, we saw, you mentioned before about there was a lot of coverage last year about netball and its sponsors and Visa Victoria coming in. It was wonderful to see the, the branding of Melbourne you know, on the dresses the other night. But um, there's something in this, and it's not just about because they're elite. It's also because it's smart business sense. Loie, I think you may have been speaking about this one a few weeks back on the program. The Office for Women in Sport and Recreation, um, knowing that there was going to be this massive spotlight of these World Cups, deliberately did some research to call for corporate Australia to back women's sport, to invest in women's sport right now. So what our research showed was that for every $1 that a corporate sponsor is investing in the visibility of women's sport, they're getting $7.26. Cents back, so seven times return. This is smart business sense. On some key sponsorship metrics around brand conversion and awareness, you actually get a better outcome backing women's sport than you do with men's sport. This is not about a competition, but it is about pushing back against this rhetoric yeah, that that's women's not sport is not. Does good it business. need to be big business? Like, is there a, a, a opportunity here for kind of medium-sized businesses i mean that then it's win-win right if you're talking getting 720 back for your one dollar and if you're a medium-sized business that is incredible opportunity Mm. for that business to grow grow its profile and at the same time support clubs does it need to be big big bucks it doesn't need to be big big bucks i certainly wouldn't be saying no to those big big bucks when there is the right alignment with the organization but 100 percent, here's an opportunity better bang for your buck and so if you do have that you know um that marketing budget that can't compete with your combanks and your suncorps of the world you know suncorp is a big sponsor of netball as well um yeah i'd be going for it Mm -hmm. you know one that comes to mind is i think the brand sponsor of wnbl the national basketball competition is signet um so you know where are these opportunities for brands who are looking to cut through We've got the evidence to tell you this is where you can cut through. Let's bring in Joe, who's near the beautiful town of Bort on the line now. Hi, Joe. How are you going? Yeah, I'm good. What are you up to at the moment? 
Oh, look, I can't believe it. I'm heading down to a flood recovery um, event um, in the Loddon Shire and I turned on the radio and you're talking netball because <laughs> I'm actually talking about netball um, to 100 women. Um, so basically, I just love grassroots netball. I'm in my 50s too. And I saw about seven years ago, had the opportunity to go over to India to teach some girls in the slums of Kolkata um, netball. Oh, um, wow. And, and, and now it's just grown, even through COVID, that now we're actually going back in um, November to hold an expo with um, some girls up in the tea garden, about 60 girls, and really the community leaders there and they're driving it all. And, and to be honest, they didn't even know about netball before I went. They're actually seeing it as a really effective tool for um, exploitation and prevention of um, sex trafficking for these girls and women because they just love this concept of a team sport where girls can all just get together and, and look out for each other and, um, yeah, and just have a bit of fun for a while. So it's just incredible that, that is, you're talking about all Oh, this. look, I love it when that happens. You must be pretty good, Joe. Like, what's your background here for you to have that opportunity and to be still uh, teaching netball? Yeah, yeah, I'm not – oh, well, I've always just been a country netball and never um, any reached any big heights, but just loved it. I love – I love netball and, and I can't remember who touched on it, but I love it and, and I've got to love it more as I get older because I think now I can still play and play with someone who's 18 and, and you know, just be, you know, you can be um, all different shapes, all different backgrounds, but you can actually all just play together um, and forget about everything else for an hour or two and still get some physical exercise. And, and I think that's what maybe a lot of us forgetting that, we just want to have something that we can all just enjoy once a week. Mm, that's so special. And, you know, it also makes me think about uh, while we're talking about particularly playing netball, the surrounds of netball is a beautiful opportunity for women leaders to also be developing their skills. Lisa in a coaching context, opportunities in community clubs, but you see it through to the biggest rooms. And one of the interesting things about netball is it is a fantastic, for want of a better phrase, breeding ground for women leaders. Um, so off the top of my head, you know, Catherine Clark, who these days runs Paralympics Australia, out of netball. Kate Palmer, former CEO of the Australian Sports Commission, before that netball. Uh, Marnie Fechner, these days running Oz Cycling netball. I think off the top of my head, Lee Russell, Rosie King, who's down at the Cats these days. All these leaders, some of arguably the majority of prominent women leaders in sport, actually came out of a really safe, mm. friendly, female-orientated environment. There's something in that. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Michelle Hunt here with your Melbourne Warwick Long, your co-host this morning, joining you from ABC Shepparton. And in the studio, Sarah Stiles, the Director of Office for Women in Sport and Recreation in Victoria, and Sarah Lowe, previously from South Metro Junior Football League and also previously the Executive Manager of Future Healthy Group at Vic Health. Let's stay regional and let's talk about just that equality between clubs. I know there was a pretty big deal in the Bass Coast where they said, okay, if you're going to bring any kind of sporting competition here and they've got, you know, Grand Prix and all sorts of things, you need equal pay. That women need to be paid equally to men when it comes to prize money. Was mentioned before, Sarah, the idea of some of the regional footy players, they get played 
fairly mm. well. How do we change that? I mean, is there any shift there? I think what's important to think about here is it's not like this is something that's happening outside of our control. There are people who are making these decisions, and you're spot on. Some of the numbers that I've heard over the years that country footballers are making, you know, one hand, credit to them, good on them, but it's, let's not say there's no money in community sports, you know, in country football netball clubs. When you were talking, there was an example that comes to my mind. Now, this is probably from the last couple of years, so I can't necessarily talk to where they're at right now. But in the Bendigo area, I think it was the Golden Square Football Netball Club. I remember that they made the call. They were reflecting as a club what was important to them. And they realised that there was a gap between what they said their values were and what they were doing as a club. So out of that, they made a change. Senior footballers, senior netballers, get what? guess what? They get paid the same. Wow. Or at least their starting point is the same. So these are value-based decisions. And if and you're... Golden Square's small. Right? That's a small mm-hmm. little suburb of Bendigo. Yep. And that's a huge decision, though. And the ongoing impacts of that will be lifelong and that's i mean i think it's an important decision i'd probably push back on the idea of it's a huge decision maybe it's a really easy decision so you know sarah that's you really you just often say well just make the bloody change just make this just takes leadership and just uh kind of reflecting on my regional time as well and you know especially at afl i know a lot about this because with the player points and the player payments and i know when aflw came along and and all those female teams uh you know that are being played at local level start to say well are you going to play are you going to pay us now because, you know, the men have been dominating and getting paid, especially in regional. Uh, I don't know how much you all know about player points and player payments, but, um, you know, they started to, uh, I think there's some clubs that started to figure out, oh, well, maybe instead of at the cap of playing that male player, I'll pay his partner who's now playing in the <laughs> AFLW team. So, you know, there's a lot of these weird things going along in, in, in that football landscape. But, um, you know, and I think just to hear that those netballs are getting paid, I think that's still a rarity. And I just kind of reflect on, you know, my time and I think a lot of us as females playing sport, we've never done it for the money. And, and like in AFL, the men have just, you know, if, if they're out of the VFL, AFL system, geez, they're making good good money um, playing local footy. Yeah, it's a good side hustle. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring in uh, a country club member now. Nadia Edwards is a former operations manager of the Upper Murray Football Netball League and now on the committee uh, of the Coryong Football Netball Club, the Mighty Demons, if you're playing at home. Uh, Nadia, welcome to the program. Good morning, everyone. I won't name you all because I'll probably forget someone's name. <laughs> just call us all Sarah because I think Sarah. that'll work. It's easy. Sarah. Yeah, all the Sarahs yes. in the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, take um, us to I the country. Take us to to your experience in in the northeast in the in the high country. A lot of travel there for clubs mm, as well. Uh, a lot of participation. Yeah. What do you want to add yeah. to the discussion? So I guess I can tell you this morning. Adding to this discussion, I've actually been setting up a hall for our um, presentation night for the whole league tomorrow night. So that's one aspect we've got going on. Um, and we've started our finals. Uh, we're a four team comp. Uh, with both netball and football. And we've been a football netball comp for over 20 years now in the Upper Murray. So presentation night, that's a big deal, right? How much of the focus is on netball on those nights, Nadia? Yeah, well, I would like to say that it's pretty equal, actually, um, when it comes to things with us at the Upper Murray Football Netball League. I know you've talked a lot about pays, and I can touch on that in a minute, but... I think for us is that our league wouldn't actually survive. It was just standalone football. We rely on our netballers um, 
to ensure that our league stays strong. Um, they're the ones that often bring the crowds as well. I was, you know, our first final on the weekend, the football scores weren't going so great in the seniors. It was very one-sided and I looked over and everyone was at the netball watching. Um, you know, so I'd like to say that, yeah, we're maybe not equal in pay yet, but you know, our netballers actually bring a lot to the social. They're the ones at clubs that, you know, help organise the functions, the social functions. And without them, who knows what the boys would be doing? Probably, I don't know, <laughs> sitting at a bar somewhere. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's funny, actually. In 2014, says this text, footy player boyfriend was paid $700 a game. I played A-grade netball and was paid 50 bucks a game, <laughs> both equally contributing yeah. to fundraising and club duties. I'll take that as a comment because I wanted to put this to you as well, Nadia, because this yep. is from your part of the world. This says this text says when a team in the Upper Murray League was unable to find enough players to be part of the league this year, the very mm. strong netball teams had no choice but to cease to exist. And some have been able to join other clubs. Some travelled to Talangata for practice, and then the wider distances as well. That can be the difficulty, I suppose, in leagues of, mm. of small amounts of team when the when the one of the two clubs isn't working and often it's the football club not getting the players then the netball club ceases to exist too yeah and so that was a difficulty that was a federal football netball club they went into recess and then you'd had had a five team netball side and a four team comp and it was going to then be really tricky um getting the draw up and running and you know the bad you know the sad thing is uh, federal football netball club had a big history in our league and they've had to go in the, to recess but out of that this year yep some people chose to go to Talangata but it actually has benefited the two local clubs Koryong and Kajiwar have you know snagged a few players um, which is in you know increased capacity for them to continue on so you know, it is a downside, but there was an upside as I've seen the season go on. Nadia, it takes a lot of time, a lot of your effort, you know, a lot of your spare time. When we talk about presidents of footy and netball clubs, you know, these are second jobs that you pretty much don't get paid for. Maybe sometimes you get paid a small amount. What makes you do it? You know, why do you love it? Why do I love it? It's generational for me. Um, I have brothers that still play. I have daughters that now play and a son that plays football um it's heavily involved and for me it's they're my extended family my football netball club i've actually been away the last two months so i've come back in kind of going oh i'm feeling out of place because i no longer play netball and there's new faces but you know you just get in there and that's what i like about it too we We've, you know, we capture people that come from outside. We capture clubs that, you know, Tumbarumba that are across the river that add to that competition. But then you can float around and they come and stay and socialise at your your own club events. So I think for me, it's that social aspect, especially when in the Upper Murray, we've had our floods uh, and fought the fires in uh, 1920. And mm. I think that's what it is at the end of the day. It's it's just being social. Yeah. How are you feeling ahead of the final, Snuddy? Me? Well, I'm lucky. I'm just chill. This yeah, is about your first year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is the club going to win? Are the demons uh, going to lift the trophy? Our seniors are out. Our oh. resies are in there. I don't know. Who knows? It's all very close comp, and I think that's good. Um, but, 
Yeah, we'll wait and see. <laughs> oh, have a great presentation night tomorrow night. Thanks thank so you. much. Thanks, Nadia. Ah, thank you. Nadia Edwards there, who is a part of the Coriong Footy Netball Club, the Mighty Demons. I've got a text here. I think we might walk away with the team that we can play in, Sarah. And I'm looking at you and I, right? It says, <laughs> I'd love... We're going to need lots and lots. <laughs> it says, I'd love to play netball again for fun and fitness, but I'm in my late 50s and I've got an arthritic hip and a bit of a dodgy ankle. Is there any chance of getting an old decrepit team together? (laughs) (laughs) You never know. There was something a few years back, and Sarah, you might know about this because I think it was backed by Vic Health called Rock Up Netball, where you didn't actually need to be in a team. It was just who could get there on a certain night at a certain location, turn up, you'd make squads out of it. But um, something actually over in football, as in soccer world, they have walking. Yes, I was going to say that. Maybe we need a walking netball. (laughs) My knees could cope with that, I I think. You've got the power, Sarah Styles. Can we start it? Oh, jeez. Back to the office. We've started it, haven't we? <laughs> Aren't we on ABC? Isn't Walking this, netball. Uh, yeah. I would totes be Water, down Walking netball. That. But, I mean, listening to Nadia, something that came to my mind there is, like, for people who are listening, you know, I'm sure you, those involved with footy netball clubs or associated with um, some of these teams, I hope it's kind of almost prompting in your minds, like, who who is your Nadia, you know, in, in your in your club, who is the person that you want to make sure, you don't know, next time you're seeing them, just to say, you know what, thanks so much for what you're doing. Um, Thanks for volunteering. Thanks for volunteering. Thanks for driving that through because, I mean, in as we know, with every sports team, it's just the heart of this. It wouldn't happen without them. Judy, welcome to the program. Thanks. Good morning, everybody. Um, I've been listening to the regional. I actually rang up about the AFL and the super netball but before I comment on that I'd just like to say that I grew up playing netball in the country the real country where it was a um, a special time for the community to get together and I have fond memories of cleaning the shoes in the morning cutting up the oranges oh, yeah. and then heading off to football and playing netball and it was finished at half time and everyone went over and watched the football um, that's dying, of course, as the, all of the discussion has um, mm. covered, um, and mainly a lot because they they just can't get the football players. They can get the netball players, but not the football. What position did you play, Judy, when you used to play netball? No, uh, I, I don't still play netball. Oh, but what was your position when you played? Oh, position, goal shooter. Goal shooter. Yeah. Uh, the glory I'll, squad. I'll, fa- I'll face energy. you off, Judy. Yeah. 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 Um, they were the days, though, really. I can remember cutting up oranges. I always have this discussion with my daughter who plays basketball, but every time when she's like, where are the lolly snakes? I'm like, it should be orange quarters. This is <laughs> not right. But, I mean, Judy is, is giving me, uh, like, I, I'm actually feeling quite a bit of emotion right now because, I mean, that's the thing. This net, Netball, in this respect, this has shaped my entire life. It shapes what I do today. You know, like not only did my sisters and I all play, now where we grew up, that was the only option, and so that's what we did three, four days a week. But our mum played and our nan played. And, you know, my nan is down in Warrnambool. She's now 88. A few years back now, she was given the number one ticket uh, holder for South Warrnambool Football Netball Club for a year, the club that Jonathan Brown came out of. Um, for literally decades and decades and decades of volunteering. But this idea of our, our mothers and our grandmothers playing sport, it being normal for girls to be active, to be physical, to be competitive, that was then passed to the next generation of daughters. And we know it is just unequivocal the number of benefits that come from that. Those mums, those netballs, more than any other sport in the country, they were playing netball. 
You're all going to be happy to hear there is walking netball. It oh. happens in Mansfield. <laughs> Happens in Heathmont. Uh, happens in England as well, says Wayne from Lake Bolac. So I think walking netball can be found right, in we're various off to locations. Yeah. So to, I guess end on a positive note, there is an incredible and needed hype around women's sport and just the quality and the skill of women's sport at the moment. How do we keep that, you know, so that it doesn't at the end of the Matildas World Cup, you know, of the of the footy World Cup, that it doesn't just go back to the status quo? How do we keep this momentum so that it runs across all sports? Look, I, I actually think it's happening and I completely agree. I mean, how wonderful is the, the, the skill and just the... Uh, you know, the joy in watching our, our Matildas, the, the, the skill level is incredible and I think it's got a lot more viewers than it ever has before. And, and you know, that's going to flow through to the grassroots. You know, we're at the top of the game. Like, it doesn't matter where I look at it. It's cricket, it's soccer, it's netball, AFLW, three more weeks to go. Everyone get excited. I mean, the skill level year upon year, it is getting better and it is a great product to be watching. And as Sarah said with the, the report that she did, uh, you know, the sponsor's got to get get on board mm. and help with that visualisation and help with that investment because that will grow grassroots and inspire the next generation of our wonderful sports uh, for women. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. As the saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. And so I think for netball, it's about focusing on netball's incredible strength. You know, I think attendance is up 25% over the last year at an elite level. Club membership's up 20%. More than a million people playing netball. These are Big numbers. Nepal has so many strengths. Now, how do we build on that and make sure it gets the recognition it mm. deserves? Let's go to the country and bring in a, a final caller to discuss today. Rose is in Benalla, beautiful town of roses as well, Benalla. Uh, hi, Rose. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. What did you want to tell us about? Uh, Lightball's been going for years and it has all the benefits that everybody's been saying netball has in the community. Being what is part it, of the football ball? netball community. Lifeball, it's walking netball. Ah. People get together every week. They do it. They've been playing lifeball for 20-plus years. It gives them emotional, mental, physical support. They're fantastic groups. They do everything that you have been saying the younger netballers do, but they're lifeballers. How old can you be and still be playing lifeball, Rose? As old as you want to. Just be alive. That's it, it's yeah, life exactly. ball. You can play for life. <laughs> I yes, love that. I, love I had no idea. This is the thing with this program, right? You learn something new absolutely every day. This message saying this is such a great conversation, Sarah's. Thank you, plural, to both of you. Walking netball is already a thing. There's one at Waverley Night Netball Association in Whitehorse. There's another one at Yarra as well, I think. Not only have we found that it's a thing, we're going to form ourselves a team. I think it's about the increase in numbers after this. <laughs> It's been so wonderful to have the two of you join us and to spend this hour looking at netball. As we said right at the beginning of the program, it is the most played sport, not only in this state, but around the country. Let's just quickly turn our head to, to football. You know, this is, you've got your scarf on there, Come Sarah. On, How are you feeling? Oh, I, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I am a nervy <laughs> sports fan. So, Do you have to leave the room? Uh, actually, no, it's good. It's couch, good if I leave move. the room because when I leave the room, things happen. So that would be good. But I mean, <laughs> if if we go back to they're playing France tomorrow. Um, you know, July fourteen last month they played France at Marvel Stadium. 
record crowd, or at least record at that point, and the Matildas got the job done. So let's hope that was the sign for tomorrow. But, I mean, it's going to be massive. You've got the national news being pushed back. You've got it being shown on screens and stre- screens in stadiums around the country. I think it's being spoken about as the biggest night of sport in 23 years. My palms are sweaty already. It's so, so great. Are you uh, prepared? My, oh, absolutely. I, I believe uh, it's been telecast in the MCG before as well, which will be wonderful. So it should be about 100,000 crowd watching there as well. Uh, my prediction, I don't believe in putting the moz on anyone because I am that <laughs> confident with our girls. I've been watching them very closely, you know, since that game at Marvel Stadium and uh, we're going to smash them. We're in form. I mean, seriously, we haven't even had the best player playing until last week for about what, what she get, about 10 minutes. How crazy like, is everyone going right? right? We are, we're going to win. Don't worry, listeners. I'm very confident. We'll be giving the World Cup for the first ever time. Uh, Australians rule. Girls rule. <laughs> Go Matildas. <laughs>